There are no rules. No rules. You're listening to Degree Free on the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Aloha, guys, and welcome back to Degree Free. We are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. On this podcast, we share fundamentals we've discovered and the mistakes we've made while self-educating, getting work, building businesses, and making money. We'll tell you how to make it happen. No degree needed. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again. Please do like and subscribe because you don't want to miss this. And then if you listen to a previous episode or after you're done listening to this one, you're curious as to go about learning and then getting a job similar to this without a college degree, check out our guide. It's on our website. It's degreefreenetwork.com. That's degreefreenetwork.com. And you can grab the guide on there. Yeah. And let's uh, get into today's episode. So today we're going to do something a little bit different. um, And we're just basically going to answer one of the questions that we get about your job. And it's basically like, what does an IT business analyst do? That's a great question. And honestly, it's a good question because I don't even know what you do. I mean, for the most part, I know that you work. I do. I know that you sit at a computer. I do. And you wear a headset from time to time. I do. That's like that's like the extent to which it, what I know that you do is. So today is going to be just as educational for everybody else listening to this who's possibly thinking about going into an IT business analyst role. And then also some other things along the way too. I think that you've, uh, you've accumulated some certifications along the way. Um, Salesforce, Scrum Master, um, I don't know, we'll get into that, right? And what those mean, too. So, first off, I'll say, let me just take a stab at what I think that you do. So, when I hear business analyst, so I don't know about I, I don't know what the IT part, but when I hear business analyst, what I think of is somebody that combs through financial statements of a company, looks at the top line. And I guess that we have to remember that I come from a little bit more of a financial background. So when I... Economics, don't get carried away. Well. <laughs> I'm sorry, it had to be done. Uh, it <laughs> burst my bubble. Economics is the communications math. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm no, done. it's all good. <laughs> he was an accountant, guys. I'm just so. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> Fantastic. So, what I think a business analyst does is, I think that they once again they look through financial statements and they go through. They look at the top line and they're saying, "How can we improve revenue?" How can we, um, how can we reduce cost of goods sold? And then you look at the bottom line, and you're looking at how to eliminate expenses. Those types of things. That's what I think about what a business analyst does. Correct me. If I'm so, wrong. so ask me. Ask what me. does an IT business analyst do? <laughs> Please. <laughs> 
It had to be done. It had to be done. The How I Met Your Mother references have to be done. Um, okay. So what I do, basically what I do is I am a translator. And the reason that my job exists is you're not wrong about the fact that there is some mathematical analysis. But for me, in my role at the company that I'm with now, my role is to work with a software development team. And essentially what I'm supposed to do is work with the project manager. I work pretty closely with the project manager. Um, and then what I do is I talk to, to the developers. But most importantly, I talk to the clients, the customers, and the technical term is a stakeholder. So that would be somebody who has um, a vested interest in the success of the project. So usually those are people that either are going to use it. Like, uh, let's say this project is for a call center. This would be people that actually work on the floor of the call center. They would have picked a couple people who care about it, who are going to be or directly affected by it that are on this team, basically. Um, and then they're also going to have people who are paying for it people usually who have some like budgetary stake in in the in the project and then people who are managing you know so people who manage the people who work who are going to use the product that we're that we're making so this is also a little bit different because uh it, it delves into different project methodologies this is going to get very um technical term heavy just because those are the only terms that you can use really so i'm going to try to break the terms down so when i say methodology there are different types of ways that projects work. There are three general ones, and it's going to be waterfall, which means at the beginning of a project, everyone agrees on something. And then six months later, a thing is given to them that supposedly matches these requirements. There is a high failure rate to those projects, which is why a different method of evolved and it's called agile and agile um, primarily used for software it's used for software development whereas waterfall is typically used for like large bulky things like manufacturing or dod projects and um you know aviation is another good example of that because it's like you're working with expensive things that you, you know that they've got to get done at a certain time whereas agile um is used for things that change as user feedback is given and as people interact with whatever you're building because you can change it much easier than you could change like the way a plane is being built right um so uh and then there's a hybrid which is a combination of both so to some extent some things are predetermined and then some things are more flexible and can be changed now i think that with projects in general big projects it can be really rocky any way you look at it because it's just difficult to get from here's this thing that we want and they just come up with it you know whoever wants this thing done just comes up with best case scenario but there's limitations right there's limitations based on what they want done how soon they want it done how much money they have to do it with how many people are going to be using it there's just a lot of things that go into this and so things change really quickly and there's a disconnect between the clients and the people who need the thing and the people who are building the thing because if you've ever talked to somebody who is a software developer or a coder they have oftentimes a difficult um, time breaking down simply what they're doing and why they're doing it. And also they have better things to do than explain that to somebody. So that's why, I, that's why my job exists. Got it. So to break it down for myself, really, you're basically, as you said, you're a translator. You're a go-between between the technical and the non-technical. 
Mm -hmm. Ideally, the business analyst is involved at the beginning of a project where you're trying to figure out what the requirements of the project are, right? So those initial listing of things that they want done. So usually a business analyst helps the stakeholders come up with the requirements. Sometimes it's not the same business analyst that works with their team. Sometimes it's a separate entity. So this could be like in the sales process even, like before, for some companies, this could be even before they've got the project. The business analyst comes in and kind of figures out, extracts the stakeholders' wants and needs and then translates it to the developers and then the developers say yes or no, they can do that, here's a timeline, whatever. Well, before it even gets to them, it's going to go to the project management and then the the you know the higher stakeholders because they have to agree on a timeline and a budget. So the business analyst is usually involved in that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then and then after that, yes. I see. I see. Usually, you would have your lead developer, your head developer, um, who's involved in that process a little bit as well. Got it. And so, why is it called a business analyst? Because you are looking at um, now. There's a lot of there's a lot of types of business business analysts. There's a lot of types of business analysis, and there's a lot of different ways you can be one in different capacities for different projects. So I have a limited scope of experience on this because <laughs> business analyst joke scope. Uh, but uh, I have a limited uh, I have a limited view on this because I have only worked as a business analyst on my project. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand this. So Business analyst, they're like a small software, right? A small piece of software that's not really going to be too hard. Right, right. Or if you're building a website for somebody, not depending on the size of the website, not very major. You know what I mean? A two page website, okay, that's not going to be hard. A 400 page website, okay, that's where this is a whole other ball game now, right? Um, and usually, too, the, the how complicated that is is going to change based on how many people are involved. So a lot of times you're just asking questions. That's mostly what I do. Uh, mostly I ask why. So like just the question why, why, you know, they say, oh, well, what, before we do this, we do this. Why? Right. Oh, well, we can't do that without this. Why? That's, that's my job. It's very simple. And what do you do with that? Um, so then what I do is I do I, I do keep pretty detailed notes. I keep a record of things that are said. And the reason for that is to protect both sides, right? So it's to make sure that the client tries to get what they want and to make sure the development team can actually give the client what they want while still doing their work and not being not being um, distracted or or um, getting pulled into discussions with with the clients. But I guess no, but what I meant by that is like, what do you do? So like you're asking why all this time? What are you trying to get at? Oh, oh, what am I trying to get at? I'm trying to get at um, the motivations for doing something so that I can find a simpler, cleaner, or more efficient way to do it. Got it. And yeah. so as a business- Ideally saving money. I see. Okay. So as a business analyst- Or time. Got it. You can, it is also a part of the process. I see. Okay. So I have, so I have a problem and this problem is five steps currently in my, in my company. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hire your company to- do these to make these five steps into three steps into one step or whatever i just i want these five manual tasks we do it all the time and i need it automated or i needed i need it a lot more efficient 
to happen. And so you're asking why we do this, why we do this, why we do this, why we do this. And it gets me back all the way to the beginning and then from the end. And so now you and your team of developers, you guys work on how to get me what I want. Yes. And then how to possibly show me that instead of doing it in five steps, actually I only did three steps or whatever. Yep. All right. And it's it's an ever changing it's a it is a really um, ever changing process because there's multiple different reasons why things can and can't be done a certain way right um, so you try to you try to make it as efficient as possible as cheap as possible or as um, or or make as much money as possible right for the company that's your that's your goal um, save time there you go so. So let's say somebody wants to, let's say you have a business and there's 10 employees and there's 10 employees because everything that they do has been done on paper for a very long time, right? And now they want to digitize all their files, but they work in an industry that's heavily regulated. So now without knowing anything about this company, like let's say they have nothing written down. They have no rules written down about why they do what they do. Right. And then you just had people that have been working there for 10, 15 years and they just do what they do and they don't even know why. And then you get somebody, you get a bunch of people busting in going, we're going to put this all in the cloud. And these people are like, uh, what's the cloud? And then these people who are going to say, we're going to put it in the cloud. They have to figure out how to get these people to tell them what they need to do in order to put it in the cloud. Right. To, to like follow laws, to make sure all, none of the data is lost, to make sure everything is where it should be, to make sure it makes sense to the people that are going to try to find it. So it's a really ridiculous, um, complicated thing because every situation is different. Right. So you're always looking for like, all right, like which person in this group is going to be the decision maker. Right. So in a group of stakeholders, you're always looking for like, all right, who's the one who's the one who's going to like advocate for this to be done? Who's going to fight against you? It's your job to win those people over to your side and try to help them understand things. It's my job to figure out um, what they actually need. Like what's going to make it easier for them? Like, oh, they think it would be easier to do it like this, but actually it would be easier if they just did this. And then to explain to them why they have to do it like that so they don't resist when that's done, right? Because it's cheaper, saves the company money. Because while they're resisting it, while they're resisting it, the company is losing money or it's taking them longer to do their job. And it's making them less likely to say that the project was a success, even if it meets all of the management's expectations. Right. Yeah. Got so it. it's like, there's a lot. There's a lot. That makes sense. Makes sense. It's a, you're smoother pretty much. You're just like, all right, all right, well, let's do it like this. Or, hey, let's try this. Or, oh, this is why, you know. Right. Seems your role is very multifaceted then. I mean, it's, it, to me, as a layman, understanding this seems pretty general. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like this. It's like a Swiss army knife type job because like today, for example, um, what I did was um, I took notes. I took notes on a meeting. I helped a project manager to make sure uh, we were rewriting some requirements for a project to make sure that they're that they're correct, that they're phrased in, a, in a, the way they're supposed to be phrased, because that's got to get submitted to somebody above us. Um, I got on a one on one call with a stakeholder for a project to say, OK, like, 
you know, we got this feedback from you. On, I want to make sure I understand why you feel this way and then explain some things to this person so that they better understood what we were doing and why we were doing it and both left happier than we originally called. And then um, I did some work on a like a really manual process where I was downloading data and then fixing the data. And then I had to upload the data and it's my job to do this process and figure out what steps can be eliminated from that. So like that's that was my that was what I did today. Got it. Yeah. So talk to me about workflows. Yeah, so workflows are a pretty big part of uh the projects that I work on now. And that's for a few reasons. One is because uh we do want to keep documentation on when we say okay, so let's take a business process. Somebody FedEx is in a document that this business needs to have. And then it goes from the FedEx envelope to uh, a secretary. And then the secretary takes it out of the envelope and they stamp it. But they only stamp it if it's a blue paper, right? So they get it out and it's a red paper. Now it's a red paper, so it has to go to the next person. And so when it goes to the next person, they say, okay, this is red. So now I have to put it in this box and then I have to send an email to this person to let them know that there is a red piece of paper in this box that they have to sign, okay? So that's how their process is now. And then after this person at the top signs it, then it gets manually filed into somebody's file cabinet. And that's the end of the process. So my job is to go from start, so FedEx envelope, and then I'm supposed to go, okay, now we're going to the secretary. Now we're going to the decision the secretary makes, which is it's red or blue, right? And then it's a red paper, so it goes to the next person. And then it goes from that person to the box. And then it goes from the box to the chief and then it goes back to the file box, right? And that's the end of the process. And so my job is to go from start to finish and explain how they do it now so that I can go back and say, all right, so if we're gonna digitize this whole process, now this thing, instead of being a FedEx, it's an email. And instead of going to this initial person, we've said, we're, we're going to set up an automated process where the email already knows that it's read. So it goes straight to the second person and it, not only does it go to the second person, it CCs the person who has to sign it. They sign it in, you know, on the internet and then it's automatically filed and that's the end of the process. I see, so, uh, so okay. So I knew what a workflow was, but I thought that it was only used for like documentation in the current, I see how you guys are using it. Yeah, I, it's as is and to be. Right. I, I had, that's interesting for me as somebody like I've done, I've done plenty of workflows, but I've always done them as is. And then I've always done them to be, but I never did the comparison of the two. Right. Mm. Well, cause I never had to explain to anybody. Right. Because right, my we, job is to meet with somebody yeah, and say, sense. so this is what you do. Right. And that's really important because when you're, when things are moving like this and everybody's talking about stuff and there's constant feedback, I have to say, this is it. Right. This is what you said, right? This is what you do. Because if they don't agree later, they might say, oh, no, no. And then they'll tell us about another five steps. That makes sense. Right? So, so for me, I mean, you know this, I've done plenty of workflows, but the workflows are for our business. Yeah. The workflows are for us. And I don't have to explain to other- Your rationale. Yeah, to other people. Or like, where did you get that idea from? Right, exactly. So I'm not, yeah, interesting, interesting. That is interesting. That makes sense. It's It does make sense because it's, you're getting people to opt in on a change, mm -hmm. right? Because they're supposed to work with me 
to to get to get me to understanding of okay what do you what do you do and right and i've asked why up until this point and then i'm like all right now what do you what do you do and then we go in and say okay why why do you do these things and then they have to explain to me you know have to justify to me why they do this and if it's necessary because then it's my job to go okay this step is not it doesn't need to be here like it doesn't legally need to be here you know not i'm not a lawyer but like there's no statute that requires you to do this you like there's no law or regulation that requires you to do this so this is just an unnecessary step it doesn't need to go to this person too it just needs to go right to this person and then it needs to be you know automatically sent wherever yeah. afterwards so one of the things that i wanted to ask about was like the different certifications that you have and like which certifications because i know you have a few I, I kind of forget which exactly you have it's okay so do i <laughs> right and wondering which ones do you actually need to do your job or uh, which one should did you get first or which one should you get first if you're thinking about doing this type of work that is that's a good question i think I don't know, man. Uh, the certs have helped me so much because they've gotten my foot into, they've got my foot in the door. But I, in truth, I think I could have just, I don't necessarily think I needed the certification. I just need to study, right? A lot of what I needed to know was I needed to know the lingo so that I could understand what my managers were telling me to do because they're telling me to do things that make sense, but they have names that I'm not familiar with, right? So it's like, we want you to do a SWOT analysis. Well, I have to know what that is. We want you to do a fishbone diagram. Okay, well, I have to know what that is, right? I can't just like, I can't just draw a fish on a piece of paper and then go, here you go. Like, I should have done that. Give me the, give me the rundown. <laughs> if my if my, if my my project manager now ever asked me to do that, I'm 100% just going to draw a fish on a piece of paper and scan it in. It'll be worth the effort for, for sure. <laughs> give me the rundown. Yeah. How hard did you work on this? <laughs> no, not any harder than I needed to. <laughs> Oh, well, we want you to work any harder than you do. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, but yeah, so so it's it's mostly just knowing what the things are, right? There was a lot of studying. I would say the my my um I do have a BA. My business analyst certification took me uh the most studying, I think. Um I think that I was better at studying, but I will say it had the most material to go through. So, so I think for listeners, just to make it easier, um, oh, which ones do I have? Let's talk about first. Let's lay out which ones you have. Okay. Uh, so I have a Salesforce administrator certification. I have a data analytics certification. I have a Scrum Master certification, and then I have a PMI PBA business analyst certification. So I have four. Okay. And I guess quickly, can you kind of? say what each of those things are oh sure you know, in a few sentences yeah so a salesforce administrator is somebody who basically just um tends to a salesforce instance so um it's basically a website that stores a company's information all of their data about their customers or whatever they whatever in incoming data they have and your job is to reset passwords make new fields which are basically lines that have information um yeah, resetting passwords, uh, setting different permissions for different users and making reports from the information that's in there, which is really not very complicated. And then uh, Scrum Master is somebody who um, is certified to facilitate meetings and run uh, work with a project manager 
because their goal is to work with a development team to help them work faster and work better and work more efficiently together. And so basically what you do is you make sure that meetings are um, within a certain time frame. It's your job to take care of GR or whatever project management agile you know, thing you're using to run the project. It's your job to um, ask questions of the development team when they do things. It's your job to talk to the development team. And then you also are important because you work with the business analyst to work with the stakeholders too of a project. Uh, data analytics is just understanding data sets and knowing um, a little bit about Tableau and R, which are data analytics software. And then business analyst work or business analysis work is just analyzing how a business works. Um, how a project's going to work, how something's going to be delivered, how, so how a contract is going to is going to be done and delivered to somebody, um, involving the stakeholders, involving there's a little bit of money, but not so much not so much in my experience, and then um, just understanding how the flow of a project works. Okay, perfect. And so, I guess for your current role as an IT business analyst. Do you need all of those things or like what is the minimum no. amount that you think you needed for this job? Mm. The minimum amount. I think I definitely would have needed to study the 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 PBA handbook. I would have had to read through that and understand it. I, I think for me too, I need a reason to learn something. So I do, I, I would say that it was really helpful because when you have a goal, when you have a reason to study something, I had a reason to learn the information quickly and absorb it. And then I immediately afterwards had an application for it because I, I started doing that work. And so for me, I think that that was probably the most impactful cert that I got. Obviously, Salesforce was what got me into the role that I have now. But I will say that the business analyst certification really, I think that that was the one that I think was the most important one because it gave me a well-rounded understanding of why the project was working the way it was. But also because of our businesses, I was like, oh, I understand the function of a lot of this. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I have to say, though, I did like the Scrum Master certification because I have worked really closely with um, the Scrum Master for uh, my my teams that I'm on, and I've learned a lot from him. And so because of that, I think that that was, that was my major motivation in getting that certification and seeing how he having a Scrum Master on your team really does help the team work better. It really does. A lot of people, you'll get the tech people that are like, oh, so all you do is like sing Kumbaya and blah, blah, blah. But I will say it smooths a lot of stuff. And the Scrum Master's job is to get things out of the way of the development team so they work better. And the person the, the person that I work with does, does it very well and also does business analysis very well um, using the agile methodology, which is what Scrum is. Well, it's not it's not exactly, but it's, it's, it's based in, it's similar. They're cousins basically. Mm. So we kind of touched on it earlier, but I'm kind of wondering if I can just ask directly, like what kind of traits do you have to have to be a good business analyst? Like it seems exactly what you said. It seems like this is a pretty general multifaceted role. It's not super, at least in the role that you're in, it's not super specific. Like what are some of the traits that make a good business analyst? Mm, I think uh, probably the most important one actually is um, 
I, I think the most important one is probably humility because a lot of the time I'm asking people who know a lot about something when I know nothing about it, why? I'm, I'm saying, okay, well, what is that? And, and I come into most situations with no knowledge of what's going on and then I have to figure out what's going on and then I have to make an assessment from a position of authority that I don't have yet very quickly. And so that involves me asking a lot of people questions that sound very dumb, right? Or sound very sound very simple. And because of that, they can be perceived as kind of dumb. Like, you know, if somebody says, oh, well, we have to get it done by Tuesdays. I'm like, well, why do you have to get it done by Tuesdays? Right. Or they say, oh, well, you know, this is on the the CSRSSIS. And I'm like, well, what is the CRSSIS? Right. Even if it's something that supposedly I should know, but sometimes I'll just they'll just say, okay, well, you got to jump on this meeting with these people. And I know I have no context. I know nothing about what's going on, but I have to figure out what's going on. And the only way to do that is ask questions that other people don't want to ask because it makes you look like you don't know what's going on. I guess that's kind of the whole job though, right? I mean, and I guess that's kind of like a good, well, that's what we're talking about it. But I mean, a good trait to have is you have to think about it from a beginner. You have to have a beginner's mindset. Yes. Because you are the go between between the technical and the non-technical. Right. And I have I have no idea what's going on. So I spend most of my time asking developers to explain to me what they're talking about. And then on the other side of it, I spend a lot of time asking clients to explain to me what they're talking about. Right. But it's good though, because what it's also taught me is that people who talk a lot and say a lot of big words sometimes, um, and this is another aspect of it too, is just like being able to listen and knowing when to ask who what um, because there is a lot of people who work in higher up positions that use a lot of acronyms and they say a lot of big words and when you say oh what is that they can't tell you so you have to be careful with that too though because if I ask that of somebody and it's because I need to know it but they don't know the answer sometimes that can then create some dissent within the group of stakeholders that I'm working with and make them not want to cooperate right because if you if you ask that question of the wrong person and they don't know the answer now you've messed with their position of authority within their their organization their business whatever so it's an interesting line to walk and the same thing's true with the developers actually too but usually the developers usually the developers have an answer and it's the it's the people in the business that don't always have an answer for the questions that I'm asking because they're so simple. So the last thing I wanted to ask you is just really quickly, what does a day look like? I know you kind of touched on it earlier, but like what does from the morning to the, to when you finish with work, what does a typical day look like? Is there, is there a typical day? And if there is a typical day, what does that look like? Mm, I think, uh, so within Agile, there are uh, set meetings. That's a cornerstone of the Agile methodology is that um, you have a daily stand-up meeting, right? So what that means is that every day in a, in, a, in a normal world, when you're all in the same place, you would be physically standing up. The reason for this is that people don't talk too long in the meetings, right? You don't sit down. You're not allowed to have a chair because they need you to stand up, say your crap and then leave, right? And go back to your work. So in the mornings, um, I have two standups for two for two projects that I'm working on I attend each standup and then uh and then usually I have a couple meetings with um clients or I have a couple meetings with the development team I have a couple meetings um 
where I will attend a meeting of the business or organization I'm working with so that I can get a better understanding of what they're doing. So if they have reoccurring meetings, I attend those meetings too. So I have some background about what's going on. And then usually after that, I have a meeting with uh, one of the senior team members so that I can tell them, all right, this is what's going on with this, with this, with this. And then usually I'll have a meeting with um, somebody from another project like later in the afternoon. But other than that, in between those meetings, I'll do work that comes up during those meetings. So um, I'll also look at JIRA, which is our project management software, and I will make comments on things that I've done, or I'll send messages to people to say, oh, hey, I'm just, this came up in this meeting. I'm following up about this. I'm curious about this. Um, if I have a question about something specific, I'll sometimes get on the phone with one of the senior developers for a minute and ask them a question. And then if they need something from me, um, so I've been working with a developer on one of the projects. And um, it also depends on the schedule of the people you work with, right? So um, sometimes I'll have like solid just solid booked meetings up until like one o'clock in the afternoon, like from, you know, from eight o'clock in the morning to one o'clock in the afternoon. And then it's just random work from then on. And I usually do my work later in the afternoon because um, I don't have meetings. Right. And then if uh, I'm working with a developer that works later in the day, sometimes they'll call me and be like, Oh, Hey, I need you to look at, I'm doing this based on this thing that you did. Does this, how does this look? You know, and I'll say, oh, okay, it looks like this, blah, blah, blah. Here's my feedback. And they say, okay, great. And then they go back and do whatever. And then same thing the next day. Um, yeah, that's pretty much how it looks. Right on. So I think that that's pretty much it for today. Just a glimpse into what an IT business analyst does. I mean, that was just as much for me to know what you do as much as anybody else, really. Um, but yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for listening to me. Thanks for being curious. Uh, keep being curious. Keep asking questions. Uh, it, yeah. So if you are curious, folks, about how this how this works, how I did this, how you can do this, and how you can get a job without a degree by doing this, please check out our guide. It's on our website. Worked really hard to make this thing so that you can do exactly what I did. Figure out how to study for certifications, how to find jobs, how to apply. Just so much stuff in that guide that's really, really useful if you're trying to make a similar transition to what I did. Um, and that's on the website. It's degreefreenetwork.com. Um, and then also make sure to like and subscribe because you do not want to miss any of this action. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, guys, if you guys have any questions, comments, uh, you drop us an email, contact at griefynetwork.com. If you guys want to support the show, one of the best things that you can do is you guys could consider leaving us a review anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts or wherever. Um, liking us on YouTube just really helps to get the message out there, really helps to gain exposure. Um, I think that's it. Until next time, guys. Long.